Man, we praise and thank God for the worship and song, and I hope and pray that that's a song, the chorus, that you'll be able to hum and sing along, uh, download it on your iTunes, your MP3, so that you can continue. Make that part of your devotional uh, every day, uh, not only spending time in the Word, but also spending time in worship. And I promise it'll bless you and uh, start your day off in a great way. Let's go to God and pray and ask God's blessings on our sermon today. Father, thank you and bless you for this day. I pray now, God, that everything that we do and say in the preaching of your word will be pleasing in your sight. God, I pray that the great seed of your word would go forth and find good soil in our hearts that it might produce much fruit in and through our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever known somebody who just couldn't seem to get along with other people? Uh, you put 10 people in a room and they can't get along with 11 of them because they can't get along with the other 10 and they sometimes can't get along with themselves. Well, I was doing some research this week in preparation for this message and I discovered 10 things, 10 reasons people can't get along with other people. 10 reasons. I'm going to start with number 10 and we're going to count down, all right? Here's number 10. They don't care. They don't care. Occasionally, you'll meet someone who just doesn't care about other people's opinions. They may feel like the world revolves around them. They may feel like they don't owe anybody explanations or that's just the way they are. They just don't care. Uh, the Carnegie Institute of Technology has reported that 90% of all people who fail in their life's vocation fail because they cannot get along with people. It's not what they know. They can't get along with people. Dr. Samuel Chan says, we hire people for what they know, but we fire them for who they are. Some people just don't care. That's number 10. Here's number nine. They're unwilling to accept differences. Some people are sinful enough to be unwilling to positively engage with people who are different from them. They can't get along with anybody who sees the world differently or sees the world from a different perspective than they are. So if they're not just like them, that's it. They can't get along with them. Here's number eight, inflexibility. They are inflexible. They insist not only that things go how they want them to, but that others be like who they want them to be. So they have this inflexible attitude. Uh, they cannot bend. They cannot yield. They, they cannot give in. They are inflexible. They see inflexibility as a strength instead of as a weakness. Uh, number seven, poor communication skills. Uh, people just can't talk. They can't communicate. At least they can't communicate well. And your ability to communicate is not measured in how much you say, but your ability to communicate is really measured in how much people understand what you're saying. Sometimes people are poor communicators because of poor effort. Sometimes they don't care. Sometimes they lack the skill. But here's what I've learned. If you really want to learn how to communicate, 
you recognize that communication is not just how you communicate, but it's how the other person communicates and how they receive what you say. But some folk just can't get along because they are poor communicators. Number six, bad habits. Bad habits. Some people think that everyone should like them, warts and all. You know, I love when somebody says, well, you just got to love me the way I am, right? When that wasn't who they were, that's who they became, and they stopped working on being who they used to be or being better than they used to be, so they have literally spiraled downward and then required everybody else to love them and their newly acquired bad habits. Here's number five, a lack of discipline. Many people can't get along with other people because they literally lack discipline. They just don't try, and if they do try, they're not going to try long. Uh, they have an ability to say no to other people, but they can't say no to themselves, right? So they just don't have the discipline to do what they need to do consistently to keep on doing it. Number four, many people can't get along with other people because they have mental illness issues. Uh, many times those issues have not been diagnosed. They have not been treated. Uh, all of us have bad days, uh, but some people have bad lives in terms of their thought process. And so they just don't have the ability to get along. Uh, they, they don't have the ability to maintain close friendships. And, and in many instances, uh, you have to bend over backwards and almost become a human punching bag to be their friend. And on top of that, that friendship may not be appreciated and not reciprocated. Number three, Faulty thinking. Yeah, that keeps people from getting along with other people. Um, I like to call it stinking thinking. You know, just, just foul thinking in your mind. And, and it's amazing because especially for those who are Christians, here's the challenge that we have. You think because you're a Christian, because you automatically think it, people quickly ascribe it to God. That must be the Holy Ghost that tells oh yeah, God showed me that. And it's like God showed you that. God showed you that. I remember one instance when a person uh, lost something in their home. Well, they didn't think they lost it. They swore somebody stole it. And they swore they knew who stole it. Yeah, because God told them, showed them that that person was no good. They knew they were no good from the beginning. When they came in, they knew they were no good. And that person stole the money. Uh, several days later, the money was found in the purse that it was put in. Now, you know that person didn't come back and say, ooh, I'm sorry, I sure shouldn't have thought that about that person. They didn't repent for it. They didn't back off of, off of it. They just moved on, right? Bad thinking, cognitive distortions can become habitual and lead people to think, assess, and respond in ways detrimental to any kind of relationship. Here's number two, temperament weaknesses. Temperament weaknesses. Uh, you allow yourself to function from your temperament weakness rather than from your temperament strength. Everybody has temperaments. So let me give you an example. If you are a choleric person, you are a person who has a temperament of strong leadership. 
the weakness is of that leadership type is that you may have the tendency to be very controlling, domineering, and if you're not checking yourself, manipulative. Well, my brothers and sisters, here's what I need you to know. Uh, you don't want that temperament, weakness, to become a personality trait, right? You want to function in your strength, but you want to check the weaknesses. Here's the number one reason people don't get along with others. And it's going to sound really, really simple. It's called sin. Sin keeps us from getting along with others. Sin is the greatest destroyer of relationships of any kind. Sin is a destroyer of peace, unity, and harmony. And watch this. At the core of sin is selfishness. At the core of sin is selfishness. Now, with the exception of mental health, because it is much more complex than most of us want to acknowledge or admit, nine out of ten of these are correctable. If the person who is difficult to get along with makes a commitment to make some changes in their life. In other words, that person has to be willing to change. In the Christian life, God teaches us that we have two responsibilities in terms of relationships. We have a responsibility vertically to him, and we have a responsibility horizontally to one another. And God is so committed to that bifurcated spiritual relationship, the relationship with him and with others, that he says, you can't have a relationship with me like it needs to be if you're not having a relationship with others like you should be. So today, I want to begin a series of messages entitled, Blessing Others by Living the One Another's. Blessing Others by Living the One Another's. Uh, dear friend, my wife and I, Elia Moreno, uh, said in a training session, we have a choice in life. We can add value to people or we can take people and take their value away. Just by how we interact with them, just by how we talk to them or not talk to them, just by whether we answer our phone or don't answer our phone, we add value or we take value away. And my brothers and sisters, here's what I want to suggest to you. As members of the body of Christ, as Christ followers, we have an obligation. We have a command to add value to those we come in contact with, both saint and sinner, both believer and unbeliever. If we're going to be the salt and light that God has called us to be, we've got to be value adders not value detractors. Today I want to begin this series with what may be the most foundational thought around the one another's, and that's how to love one another. How to love one another. If you have your uh, Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Uh, you can also download the outline that you can fill in the blank with the outline. You can print it out at home if you'd like. 
or you can open it up on your tablet or on your phone and you can fill in a blank and save it in your notes and print it later on if you like. How to love one another. There are several things out of this passage, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, I want to focus on specifically to encourage you and challenge you in what it means to love one another. Remember, when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, he said, Hear, O Israel, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, upon these two principles, the entire law was built. The 613 thou shalt and thou shalt not were all built around those two commandments, that you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to love one another? Here's the first thing. Number one. You need to realize God wants your love to be real. God wants your love to be real. Verse 9, Romans chapter 12, let love be genuine. Let's stop right there, the A part. Let love be genuine. Uh, That word love is the Greek word agape, right? Uh, Agapao is the verb form. Uh, It is the unconditional, unmerited, undeserved love that God gives to us, right? Uh, we, we, We give it because we got it. We receive that love from God. He didn't give it to us because we deserved it, because it was not rooted in emotions It's an act of the will. It's a choice. And in the context of God's love for us, it's a love that's given and finds us at our worst to help us be our best. But we love unconditionally. So watch what Paul says. Paul says, let love be genuine. I love that word, uh, genuine, uh, if you look at the New Living Translation, Uh, the text says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Don't just pretend to be uh, love others, really love them. The word genuine comes from the same word that is some places translated hypocrisy, uh, play acting, pretending, having a facade up, but nothing behind the facade. Uh, I like to think of it as, for example, a movie set, right? Uh, Many movies are shot on movie sets. Segments and portions of the movies are built sets. They build them out on these sets, and, and they'll build it, and you're thinking, by watching it, you're thinking that you're in a city but there's nothing behind the facade. There's no real house behind the facade. They just put the front of the house up to make it look like it's a house. They put the front of a business up to make it look like it's a business, and periodically they'll give you some buildings where you can walk into and they'll shoot scenes in. But by and large, that set is just filled with facades. Paul says, let your love be genuine. Don't have a love 
that is a facade. You, you just can't say, uh, I love you, but you must actually love for real. Um, I was watching a movie not long ago uh, called uh, A Thousand Words. Uh, it's, it's a movie that was made by Eddie Murphy. It, was, it did not get any critical acclaim. Uh, matter of fact, by all accounts, it bombed. Uh, and it bombed for several reasons. One reason, one critic said, uh, how do you have the, the arguably the most talented comedic actor of his generation and you're telling that comedic actor for the majority of the movie to be silent? Here's basically the premise. This guy talked all the time. He ran his mouth all the time. And he met a guy who was a writer of a book that he wanted to market. He wanted to be in charge of it. Uh, he didn't know the book. He hadn't read the book. He just went and wanted to market the book. He lied and said he had read the book. And the guy said, you really, you really read my book? You really like the book? And he was just lying, just talking, just talking. And so the guy gives him the contract to market the book. Uh, as he's getting ready to market the book to different publishers, he wants to be the agent for this, this religious leader. Uh, he finds out that the book is only five pages long. That it's really not a book, it's more like a pamphlet. And now he's embarrassed. After he meets the guy, this, this miraculous tree shows up, and here's what happens. Every word that he speaks, a leaf falls off the tree. Every word he speaks. If he speaks 10 words, leaf, 10 leaves fall off the tree. But the leaves don't grow back. And he's told that the number of words he has left to speak before he dies is limited to the leaves that's on the tree. And he goes through a bunch of different emotions. And again, it's a slow-moving movie, but, but here's what I was determined to do. I wanted to see what happened at the end. Uh, at the end, he didn't die. Uh, at the end, the tree rejuvenated itself in part because he learned a lesson, that it wasn't enough just to say a bunch of words. You have to mean what you say. And so it got to a point where to communicate, for example, to his wife and his child how much he loved them because he was losing leaves and he didn't have many left. He just spoke two or three words. And basically, you, me, love eternity. Right? Because he wanted the words to count. Listen to me carefully. When we talk about love, the words pale in comparison to the action. Paul says, let your love be genuine. Don't pretend. Don't be hypocritical. Don't play act. And don't love with an ulterior motive because that's not genuine love. Genuine love seeks the benefit or blessing of the other person even if you don't get anything in return. It's not genuine love when you give love and you're looking to see what you can get in return. You must show love, but remember, real love never comes from an impure motive. So 
if you're loving to seek gain, if you're loving to gain an advantage, uh, if you're loving to gain position, if you're loving to get favor, if you're loving to, to get attention, if you're loving to simply fulfill a responsibility, if you're loving to push yourself forward or to boost yourself, you can do the right actions, but the wrong motives will negate the love that you claim you are showing. He says you must love others from a pure and sincere place. And here's one of the challenges that Paul gives to us. That love is to be given beyond people that we like. That love is to be shown to people beyond the people that we love, right? That love is to be shown to both saint and sinner, believer and unbeliever. In other words, you're to love other people because they are human beings who are in need of love. They are in need of value being added to them in order to become the best that they can be. We are to love them if for no other reason because God loves them and because God loved us at our worst to help us become our best, we have a responsibility as his followers to love others when they are at their worst to encourage them to become their best. So he says, make sure you love without hypocrisy and without duplicity. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God love one another earnestly from a pure heart let's close with 1 John chapter 3 verse 18 dear children let's not merely say that we love each other let us show the truth by our actions. Somebody said it like this, talk is cheap. Uh, that poet laureate, great philosopher of the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, James Brown, said it like this, talking loud and saying nothing. Somewhere along the line, my brothers and sisters, we've got to make a commitment to make the love that God has shown us real in our lives as we show it to others. So Paul says, let your love be genuine. Let it be real. Now, can I be honest with you? I'm going to close right here. We'll come back and pick up the next part next week. But let, let me be honest with you. Um, sometimes when you think your love is real, it's going to be tested, Right? to see if it's genuine or not. Uh, you, you ever seen somebody, maybe you've been that person who has on a bunch of jewelry and, and they out at the beach, but they never gonna get in the water with that jewelry on. 
because they know once they get in that salt water, matter of fact, they don't even want to be in the atmosphere too long. They're not going to wear it in the shower. Why? Because they know it is not genuine. And the elements will reveal if it's real or fake. Here's what I've learned. Sometimes God will send some people into your life, some situations, some circumstances into your life, Lord, thank you, that will reveal how far you have really come and how far you really need to go. Like just when you thought you had that love thing down and you was loving and you, man, your love was real and genuine, then God will send some tests. And it'll test how genuine your love really is. And then you got to, in the midst of that test, you got to figure out, am I going to pass this test or am I going to fail this test, right? Because God is simply trying to show you how genuine it is and how much work you need to do. And I love what the scripture says. The scripture says, since you have been born again, I'm going back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Uh, genuine love, I believe, is a divinely given love. And it must be a divinely practiced love. Let me just say it like this. There's some folk that you're going to need the Holy Ghost to help you love. <laughs> it's going to be tough to love them. You're not going to be able to love them in your flesh. Some folk, you're just not going to be able to love in your flesh. It's going to take an act of God. You know, sometimes people say an act of Congress. No, it's going to take an act of God to love some folk the way they need to be loved. Not the way they deserve to be loved, but the way they need to be loved. But God says because he lives inside of you and the word of God nurtures you and nourishes you, your love can be genuine and real for one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Um, I pray now, God, that everything that has been said, everything that has been done, has been pleasing in your sight. God, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice would make a commitment to make their love genuine, to love in a real way, beyond word so that their love can be experienced and their love will be life-changing. We thank you and we ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're watching today, here's what I want you to know. The love that we are to give is the love that God makes available for us. It's a genuine love. God's love for you is undeserved. And here's the truth of the matter. Even on your best day, you will never deserve the love that God has given for you. But he loves you nevertheless. Today, I want to encourage you to receive that love. It's a love that loves you at your worst, but it's a love that will help you be the best that you can possibly be. Uh, whenever we are in a relationship, a relationship with somebody, that relationship should add value, right? Uh, I want my wife to say she's a better woman because 
I'm her husband. I can testify for myself I'm a better man because she is my wife. She adds value to my life. I want to add value to her. Well, the ultimate love, the ultimate value-adding love that's available for us is the love that God has for us. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your life, again, I'm not talking about church membership. I'm talking about a relationship with the God who loves you so much. He loves you where you are, but he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life if you let him. You can click on the link that says, I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to the Lord. And I will walk you through via video how to ask Jesus Christ into your life and to make that first step. If you've accepted Jesus Christ and I Hope Church or the Good Hope Church in person has been feeding you, nourishing you, and you want to become part of our church family. Uh, super excited about what God is doing in the life of our church. Um, our discipleship ministry has kicked off our reset and we're looking forward to even greater things come April, right after Easter, we're going to launch some things church-wide and on the virtual platform that you don't want to miss. If you want to be part of our church family, we would love to have you to be part of the church family. Just say, I want to join the church. I want to connect with the church. And we're going to help you in your walk with God, whether you come to the church or not. Some of you who are watching in 142 other countries and 49 other states, and some of you in the state of Texas may never come on our campus, never come to worship with us in person. That's okay. We want to help facilitate your discipleship on the digital platform. And it's not about information. It's about relationship. And I'm going to give you a chance to join in and be a part of that in the coming weeks. But if you want to join, just click on the link that says, I want to join the church. Now, don't forget, those of you who would like to worship in giving, there are six ways that you can worship the Lord in giving on the digital platform. And you can sow a seed into this ministry. Uh, we ask you to be prayerful about your giving uh, in terms of not just the fact that you choose to give, but how much. You be prayerful because giving is an act of worship. It's never to be wrote routine. It's never to be rote. It's always an act of worship. That's why I always encourage people, pray. Pray as you're getting ready to give and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to give to honor you and to be a part of the kingdom building work here on earth? I'm grateful for all of our volunteers. Uh, one of the things that we're looking at doing over the next several months is mobilizing our congregation, uh, not to sit, but to serve, recognizing that inactivity and immaturity go hand in hand. So we want to encourage people to get actively involved, not in the chores within the church, but in the ministry outside of the four walls, in the hedges and the highways, where we are called to be salt and light. And we would love to welcome you. Whether you're a member or not, you can join us in helping make the world a better place by discovering your purpose and what God's plan is for your life.
We would love for you to join us. Just come by the Good Hope Church, download our app, and uh, register with us. Um, go online to the website. However you want to connect with us, we will welcome you to be with us. All right? Listen, last but not least, God is doing something amazing in you, and God is doing something amazing in me. And we have a responsibility to encourage each other so that we can become all that God wants us to be in this season of our journey. All right? Until next time, God bless you. We'll be back with part two of how to love one another. God bless.